Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Intuitive Activist Podcast. I'm Leilani, your host, and today we are joined with the emotional badass, Future Kane. Future is the CEO and founder of Future of SEL and currently is a statewide project coordinator for social and emotional learning and mental health. She is a New York Times featured equitable social and emotional learning expert who works with institutions, organizations, and individuals to enhance the education, health, and well-being of others. And when I think of future, I cannot even think of her without getting a huge smile on my face. Future and I talk about this a little bit in the podcast, but we met a couple of years ago through social media and have cultivated this beautiful friendship ever since. She is a badass racial justice activist, and she does her work in a way that is so humanizing and accessible because of her expertise in social and emotional learning and mental health. And so I am so, so grateful to share this conversation with you all. We unpack so much, but especially around the ways that organizations can begin to value and cultivate the emotional well-being of their employees and how that would completely shift everything that we're seeing and the ways in which we are treating one another, seeing one another, whether that's at work or outside of work. So at this time, I encourage you to settle in to this episode of The Intuitive Activist with my good friend, Future Kane. Future, my sister, how are you? How are you today, dear one? Woo! It's a good day. Today is a good day. I mean, serious, you never know what you're going to wake up to. Um, But today is a good day. I'm happy and peaceful today. And beautiful and radiant and pure love embodied. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. We just had a really powerful, just grounding session Mm -hmm. that aligned so much with a piece of art you just purchased. The grounding was all about love and inviting in love. And you had this beautiful piece, this art that was just heart and love. And, and you said, is that just a coincidence? And I said, no, it's because that's what you're attracting and you do that. Okay. So before we get into hearing all about you and who you are and what you do, I just want to say what I know to be true about you ever since I met you and we've met online. Mm-hmm. It was, we met through LinkedIn. Yes, we did. The one time in five years I've ever been on LinkedIn. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't, it's not my jam. I'm an Instagram gal, but I remember seeing your stuff and being so enamored and you just attract, I feel like you attract your community. You attract everything. You're so magnetic. And that's the, that's the truth. And that was that grounding exercise. It was very clearly love. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're attracting right now. And I just, I, our story is so funny (laughs) because I reached out to you and you were this badass bitch that was like hold on I get so many dms now tell me who are you (laughs) you're like 
okay who who are you and why do you care about what I talk about <laughs> what, about social emotion like what why what what did you say I, I think that what you said was what is your intention for connecting with me mm-hmm. what is you know and you were so and I was a little intimidated like <laughs> and now that you know me you probably are like but I was like I just I like you and I <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Here's the reality though. Here's what people have to know. That was around the time where I was getting so many and then I I was getting a lot of, and still do it's okay. Unkind messages. So people were, the trolls were coming at me of stuff that I wouldn't even say to my worst enemy. Uh, Mm -hmm. and they were coming at, and then there was people that just, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So it's, I know that now I know that seeing, (laughs) seeing the ways that you engage. Okay. This is a good segue into the big question. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Mm -hmm. What is it that you do? Like, what is your big work here? And how do you source from your intuition to do that work? Ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot of questions. Okay. So if I forget along my way, then just direct me. Um, who am I? Here's, here's what I say to everybody. I don't like as many people, we define ourselves by titles and I would tell people stop doing that. Stop doing that because the reality is, is the last year and a half, we've seen people with very high and powerful titles, be that CEOs, be that business owners, be that whoever, and their character, in my opinion, didn't match the title. So I tried to tell people, don't define yourself by titles. Now I could go through my titles and I will gladly do that. But if I want to define myself, I'm going to first define myself as a mom. I am a mom first to two elementary school children, a boy and a girl. And I am a mom trying to blaze a trail to create an environment that's psychologically, emotionally, and physically safe so that they do not have to live through what I've had to live through on this planet. Mm. Okay. That's one. Mm -hmm. Two, I would say another piece and a huge source of who I am and who I've come to be is. I'm technically a certified yoga instructor. And if I didn't have my yoga, I wouldn't be as peaceful and as peace giving as I have been in the last year and a half. It has brought me great source. It has brought me great strength. It has brought me great grounding. It has brought me great compassion and empathy for all that we are seeing and experiencing and living through right now. The third thing I would define myself as is an owner of obviously a business, my own LLC, which is going to be my legacy, um, which is future of SEL. And my pathway has gotten me to here to care deeply about all people, adults and children alike. They're a social emotional being and their mental health. So I think those are the things. Now, if you ask what my titles are, okay, besides those titles that I've said, currently I sit as a owner, the CEO and founder of Future of SEL, in addition to uh, being at the state level for a statewide, I'm a statewide project coordinator for those two paths that I work in, the social emotional learning field, which is similar to emotional intelligence for people who have not heard of that, in addition to mental health. Prior to that, I've been in education for over two decades, public and private sector, 
and wore many different hats and I have many different degrees coming from a district level as a director, then as an assistant principal or vice principal at high school, um, a former special education teacher. So there's been a plethora of titles that I've had throughout my career, also working the private sector as a behavioral specialist and a behavior manager. So that is the first part of your question answered. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm just, I just love you so much and all of the work that you do. And this, I just keep hearing the word intersection, like mm -hmm. the intersection of, because I also know you as a fierce racial justice mm -hmm. activist in yeah. all of the spaces that you occupy. And so my question then is in terms of your intuition, mm -hmm. how does that play into this work that you do? And I just want to dive into all of it in a moment, but how do you source from your intuition to do that work? That's, that's a heavy question. And it's heavy because it's, it's the question that I give to many people. How are you? It's so simple, but so complicated at the same time. And that is a complicated question. The source in which I sit before you today is very different than the source that I drew from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I think it took me, and that's why I'm passionate about helping and supporting other people and collaborating with this. It took me sitting with myself for many moments of silence. It took me sitting with and through a lot of painful emotions, a lot of painful experiences, a lot of painful thoughts to get to a place where I know my body, I know my mind, I know my heart, that I could say, this doesn't feel right. And I don't think any being could say, here, there's it, that's it. I can't show you. It's a feeling. And mm -hmm. that feeling brings me to a, this isn't safe this isn't right. This is a time to speak out. This is a person, like I said, with you to connect with. This is the place to go to and the step to take. So it's a trusting you so that you could trust what you're receiving and then essentially putting out because our intention always has an impact. It's, it's an Ubuntu. I am because we are. And people have to understand and know that, that we are all connected and how are you not causing harm, but bringing joy to everybody else. <laughs> I just, I'm sitting here just soaking in every single word because your voice is just truth future. Like you speak with the authority of almost like the undercurrent. This is what I, this is what I'm sensing. And this is what's coming through me. And I'm filled with goosebumps right now because you are tapped in to the undercurrent of humanity, like the mm -hmm. energy that flows between and amongst all of us. Yes. And what I'm hearing you say is you feel it in your body. And I, mm -hmm. and, and it's probably why I've been filled with goosebumps since we started talking, because you are not only tapped into that energy for the knowing that it has, but you also know how to like wield it. And that's what I mean by you are just a magnet. You know how to attract the people, the community who you've come to rely upon mm -hmm. for, for your own safety and mental health and all of that. And 
you also know, okay, you know how to expel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know how to like put your boundaries. You're so gifted in that. So what would you, what would you tell people who are not as tapped in Mm -hmm. to that energy or maybe not as tapped into their bodies? How would you support them in, in being more tapped in? What could that look like? Okay. Um, so I would say, and this is one of my things that I say, people say this all the time, but the future said, future says sit with yourself. And I'm not joking about that. Seriously. You have to sit with yourself because I'll tell people and I will keep telling people and I will keep telling people oftentimes what we have done in our life is we're so worried about the past and thoughts of the past or things that we could have done or should have done or things that people said or things we didn't say keep creeping into our thoughts in the present. We also then sit in the present preparing for what the future is. I'm so worried about here. Where are we going tomorrow? What are we doing this weekend? What about that vacation? What about that? What about what? And you're so worried about the past, you're so trying to plan for the future. Guess what you missed? You missed the present moment of just being. And if you can't just be with yourself, if you can't say, I need a moment to just pause, that's a gift that you're giving to yourself. And the more you could pause with yourself, center yourself, think with yourself, feel yourself. Have you even stopped to pause to say, when I'm filled with anger or rage, When I am sad, when I am going through and working through anxiety or depression, or when I'm experiencing joy and happiness, where does it feel in your body? Where does it feel in your mind? Where does it feel in your heart or all three of those things? And if you're not doing that, you can't get to a place then that will show you your intuition and give you those indicators that say, this isn't, this isn't right. This is off. This isn't going to be safe. This is not a person that your body or your being is accepting, it's rejecting. So I would say, start with your own self-awareness and working through and asking yourself questions. Mm. It, I feel like that's such a natural starting point, even as I, I know a little bit about social emotional learning because Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about emotional intelligence. They're different, Mm -hmm. but tell me if that's the starting point Mm -hmm. is the noticing Mm -hmm. and noticing within ourselves, which is really vulnerable. Can we just, can we just say that to be still and to be quiet in our own bodies, especially for those of us who are survivors of trauma, Mm -hmm. it is so hard for me to sit with my body sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm super triggered or flooded, emotionally flooded. Mm -hmm. Right. So if that is the starting point, how does that inform our emotional well-being? Is it because we get to make choices from there that are more informed? Like tell us what that process looks like for you. Okay. So here's in your, or in your field, in the SEL field. Okay. So here's the one thing that I will say to people, you don't have to go this alone. That's the reality. So a lot of people are like, where do I begin? Okay. You begin where you feel comfortable on this journey. And now I didn't begin sitting with myself just with utter quietness. I didn't do that. I went to meditations. That's what I did. I went to, whether it was a meditation or a mindfulness practice, 
with music, with words, whatever it was that I was feeling in that day, in that space, in that place. And that's what you have to do. I will also tell you, if you reach out to me, link to me on like Instagram or on LinkedIn, I have made meditations for people before. Can I do that for you? I can. I have my website where you could go and I have different meditations that people could listen through because it's not where some people will start. You can't start sometimes just by sitting there because people don't know what to do. So I think where you begin is you could begin at many different stages. You could do a mindful walk. Even if you're walking, you could just say, I'm not going to think of anything except for what I'm hearing, seeing, smelling, feeling right in that moment. It can be done anywhere in your car, in your house, before bed, when you get up. So I would say it's that sitting with your own self-awareness and working through those. Now, here's the impact that it's going to have. The impact that it will have is at the end, it will create a better human being, which will impact humanity and equity, which is what I'm all about. But if you have your own self-awareness and you could say, my first thought is not my last thought, here's my different bias. Here are the things that are triggering, quite honestly, to my mind, body, and soul. Then you will be able to emotionally regulate because we've seen a whole bunch of people in the news and on our social media feeds who can't emotionally regulate. They couldn't bring themselves to center and peace that then they had actions that were either verbal actions towards other people or physical actions, which either caused harm psychologically, physically, and inevitably we have some people who couldn't emotionally regulate and it caused death to people who will never come back again. It's actually really terrifying to think that, to think of the combination of power and the lack of ability to Mm self-regulate, right? So I think that this, again, my body is just lighting up with goosebumps. So tell us about that. Tell us about the connection between our social emotional bodies Mm and power and privilege and the work that you do as an activist, because you are a fierce activist out there. So tell us about that connection. What brought you to this work, the ways that you do it today? What was that like? And what is the connection? I would say to be an activist and an educator, it's so big, this question so big, to be an activist and an educator, you have to be able to emotionally regulate. You have to be able to emotionally regulate because what people may not know if you're not on um, the front lines and advocating actively weekly, monthly for this work, you are going to have people who don't agree with what you're saying. And the people who don't agree with what you're saying oftentimes don't choose to just scroll by. They choose to drop a comment to you where everybody could see or in your DMs. They also choose sometimes to say very unkind things. And with those unkind things, I have to emotionally regulate from the feedback and the comments that I'm seeing either on my posts or in my deliveries on speaking that people don't agree with me. And it's okay because the discourse is what we need. But if I then got angry and aggravated and lashed out at every single person that didn't agree with what I had to say, I would be sitting here as an angry, not peaceful being. 
So you, at any given moment in time, have to be able to emotionally regulate yourself when you're doing this work too. I think I just keep hearing the importance of self-care in terms of activism. It's something that I, as I became more of an activist, I realized I wasn't doing enough self-care. I think it's, and it's probably something that a lot of activists that arc of recognizing that we are empty, that we are depleted because we are allowing, allowing others to take the energy that we should be pouring back into ourselves. I mean, I was, <laughs> I get trolled all the time too. Mm -hmm. And it, it got to the point, and this was a couple of months ago when I posted, I posted something that was just really controversial, like I do. And I was getting death threats in my DMs. I mean, I was terrified that people would find out where I lived, that they could just show up. And I think that that takes a toll on us when all that we want to do is see this. I mean, I'm, I literally identify as an earth angel and, and people want to snuff out that light. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I hear you saying that, I hear you saying, first of all, it's really hard to be an activist. I think that people think that, you know, that we want to go out and just like create waves. And, you know, I wouldn't choose this. I wouldn't choose this if it wasn't urgent and absolutely necessary for our world to progress. I wouldn't choose this. It's, it, it takes me out of my peace every single moment of every day. Right. And I see you nodding and I, I'm curious what comes up for you when you think about being this peaceful centered being tapped into the universal energy and, and coming out and doing this work that you do, how do you, I mean, how do you do it? How do you balance it? And what would you say to others who are doing similar work? Hmm. That's, that's a big question. And I would say for both of us and for the people who are really doing this work, we didn't choose it. I wouldn't have chose, I wouldn't choose this for my worst enemy. I wouldn't because it's tolling. It's tolling emotionally. It's tolling psychologically. It's tolling physically on a being. And this activism, I would say, chose us. It's, I can't stop. I can't stop at this point. And I know people will be like, well, yes, you can. You could just stop posting. No, I can't because I care. It's the constant nudges of you have to post. You have to protect other people. You have mm -hmm. to educate and not retaliate. You have to elevate. You have to amplify because humanity needs it people are dying literally literally so we can't i as much as i would like to say i'm tapping out i have strength as you said right there's people with me mm -hmm. that maybe people can't see that have protected me and i know will continue to do so because we're saying stuff that people don't like and what you said is very true people are not nice. Mm -hmm. They will say unkind words, but I do keep saying to people, cause I work in the mental health field too. I see the car crash happening. And that's why I started my own company. Mm -hmm. the, the company is because there is a car crash that has been happening slowly in front of our faces. 
number one wants to tout itself as we're great. Okay. And I'm not sitting here saying that we're not great in many things, but we are also number one in anxiety and depression. That's a problem. We're number one in anxiety and depression. And those numbers for the United States have skyrocketed in the wake of the pandemic and the civil unrest. These people essentially that have anxiety and depression are working in your companies and organizations and institutions. Mm. So how are the institutions then keeping people well and caring about their self-care? Now, I can tell you what I've done for my own self-care, but I need to warn, honestly, an SOS to companies, organizations, and institutions, what are you doing for the people that you say you care about? Are you putting humanity first and inputting and being proactive and preventative to people in your workspaces so that they feel safe in all places with all faces? That's the real question. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, the, I'm just so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because this message I, and I, my listeners know my Clark Kent's identity is doing DEI consulting. And I would say most of the work that we do is just around getting the cultural piece in place so mm-hmm. that people with more melanin or with disabilities Mm -hmm. or with trans identities or whatever feel as though I belong. We're not asking for any special treatment. (laughs) We're not asking for anything special. We're just asking for a safe place to land Mm -hmm. that we go into work every single day, knowing that I'm valued, that I'm respected and that I don't have to make myself small in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I think that what feels really heartbreaking to me in this moment is that so few companies are doing that. So few companies are actually committing to creating a space where humans can come and just belong. That's, it's, that's it's right. Sad. That's why I said I have to do something. And I, I, I did it because I have lived through, and I'm here to say I survived toxic work cultures, toxic bosses, racist bosses, right? I mean, I've had, I have had a lot of racist bosses. I've worked, I came from corporate spaces. So it is appalling to me how acceptable it is that, that, that is just it can be such a norm. Mm-hmm. So acceptable. It's, it's appalling. I think what the companies have to realize is at the end of the day, some people and organizations make products. I get it, but who makes the products? Your people. And if your people aren't well, your products, the innovation, the creativity, the critical thinking, the collaboration will not thrive as much as it can because you as leaders and owners have not valued what matters most. And that's the people. I'm thinking of my colleague, Adana, who will actually be on the podcast next week. 
with uh, another colleague of ours, Jess Lawmaster, but Adana always talks about interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. And I think where American culture can get really, really toxic is this notion of independence and being separate, being separate as a status symbol, like, mm -hmm. oh, I am so self-sufficient and I do it alone. Well, y'all, here's the thing is that we were never made to do it alone. We are incredibly interconnected, whether you want to mm -hmm. identify that, whether you want to see that or not. And so your livelihood, your mental health, your wellness is inextricably tied to my own. So when your people are suffering in these corporate settings and these nonprofits, whatever, when your people are suffering, what you don't realize is it, it makes you suffer as well. Yes. The whole, the whole is affected. Your life is affected regardless of your pockets being padded or whatever. Even if you don't see the toll it's taking on your humanity, it is taking a toll. Mm -hmm. So even if you are only looking out for number one, which unfortunately I do see a lot of people in power with that perspective or seemingly so from what I can see from the outside, even if you're only thinking about yourself, know that when you are not thinking about your people, you're still harming yourself. We are nodding. Tell me what you're thinking, future. I'm thinking, thank you for coming to her TED talk. See her next time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> submit that as, I mean, seriously, submit it as a TED talk. I mm. totally agree with you, right? Because here's the thing, activist work is selfless. We're literally giving ourselves to the sacrifice for our community. That's what we're doing. And I agree with you on the points that, and I will say it, and I know some people don't agree. The United States is very individualistic. As a society, and especially certain cultures, we're very collaborative and community driven. And research, right? Like as humans. human beings, that's how we've survived. That's how we've survived since the beginning of the that's day. That's the only way we've survived because we're terrible sometimes. Right? We've survived together. And I think mm -hmm. what people need to remember is there's so much more you could accomplish two minds are better than nobody is going to debate. There's research done. Two minds is better than one. Five minds is better than two. So why would you say, but I'm going to go this alone? When what could you create if you have everybody coming and moving this work, whether it's your organization, whether it's equity, whether it's humanity, whatever it is together, the bus, the boat, Whatever you are trying to move will move a lot faster if you are all doing it together. And I would also add, and I know that you would completely agree with this, is it, it requires more than just having diverse faces in the room. Mm -hmm. What it requires is that every single person that steps into the room to do the work that you all, even if everyone's on board with the work, it, say everybody is aligned with your vision and your mission and the work is important. If you are not creating a culture where people can come as they are and be welcome as they are, 
you're only getting 30, 40% of who they are because they are using the other 60% to survive in your culture, mm-hmm. to show up in a way where they feel as though they're not going to be fired for what they say, that they're not going to be reprimanded for what they say or do or dress or the way they wear their freaking hair. Like, come on. So when you, when you talk about corporate culture, company culture, I am on like a company culture thing right now, but it's not enough. It's not enough to diversify. And I think that that is the trap that a lot of these companies get in. And then they wonder why they can't retain BIPOC folks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what I would say is clean up your culture (laughs) ASAP whatever that higher, higher future (laughs) can Mm -hmm. clean that shit up. Um, because your people, even if it doesn't look like physically, they are dying, their mental and emotional health would tell you otherwise Mm -hmm. they are dying. If you are not able to create spaces where they can just breathe, that's, what's coming through your Mm -hmm. people need to breathe and to be to feel as though they can breathe freely and safely without fear. Right. That's so true. It's so true because I think these companies, organizations, institutions will state, okay, well, if we bring in more faces, right. If we bring, it's actually kind of performative. If you think about it, we'll bring in more faces. Incredibly performative. Right. Let's bring in all these faces, but then here's what they didn't do. People don't plan and prepare on the front end. Did you prepare and plan for diverse candidates coming into your organization that's all white? Mm. Coming into your organization that lacks and has lacked diversity for possibly years and decades? Have you prepared and planned for that? Because if you think you're just going to take a diverse person and plot them into your company culture norm, Mm -hmm and think that they're going to survive and thrive, (laughs) I would say you probably need to sit with yourself and you need to go to the drawing board and you need to create a plan because you literally have weaponized DEI against what DEI is trying to create and do for the people Mm -hmm. who society has been weaponized against. Mm. The word that's coming through, what it, what is coming through really loudly is hope mm-hmm. because I know you and I know you are a beacon of hope. So tell me, what are your hopes? What does that look like? Here's the reality. The reality is this 44 years ago, my mom was fighting the same battle. Literally. I'm not joking. When I say that my mom was fighting the same battle 44 years ago, she was fighting the same battle 44 years ago. I know that um, Liz and I often joke about this. We could lay in our beds, wrap, swaddle ourselves with our blankets and laying there just saying, okay, I I don't know if I could get up to go to war Mm -hmm. again today because of everything. Is it even possible, right? Mm -hmm. If I lay in my bed doing that and I don't have hope, then it's a wrap. So I have to wake up every day knowing there's people listening, there's people commenting, there's people amplifying, there's people supporting, there's people making movements. Now, some of the choices that we're making, like, hey, Juneteenth is a holiday. 
don't get me started on that. They're small successes. Statues have come down. I mean, I could go through. So we have to remember those small things that we could be grateful and appreciative for, knowing that racism and white supremacy has been laid for centuries. Centuries. Mm -hmm. So if we think we're going to dismantle it completely in a year, in a decade, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that my children will be able to breathe when -hmm. they go to college. My children will be welcomed and feel seen, heard, valued, loved, and belonged at a corporation or organization that they choose to create or that they choose to go work for and with. My hope is that we can say, I see everybody's talents and gifts because every person, regardless of your intersectionality, regardless of your age, regardless of your race, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your mental health, regardless of any piece of your intersectionality has talents and gifts to offer. Are Mm. we looking at every being as I see your talents and gifts and I want you to offer them? Mm. I think you should run for president. They wouldn't mop me for president. Uh, <laughs> you'd be one of those very divisive candidates. And I love it. I'm here for all of it. I will beat the streets for you. Oh, my dear friend. Uh, okay. So the last like kind of quasi question is if you could create a bumper sticker with your quick mantra that you post all over the world, it could be corny. It can be whatever. What would that be? What's your bumper sticker? Don't dim your light because it's too bright for others to see. Mm-hmm. Can you hurry up and make that <laughs> so that I can put it on my car, all over my car? Right. Say don't. Again. Yeah. Say it again. And what does it mean to you? Okay. Um, my bumper sticker would be don't dim your light because it's too bright for others to see. The reality is, is we many of us, uh, all the ism and ists that I continue and will continue to fight for the oppressed, all these groups, because there's so many of us. I think and know that there's been many people, many spaces, many places, many faces that haven't seen the light that we truly bring. Mm. And they want to turn that light off. They want us to dim it. And we don't need to dim anything because we should continue to stand in our greatness and it's a lighthouse you stand there shining your light bright and those that need to come to you will come to you and don't dim it you keep it on even if you are not getting any people in their boats coming and circulating for a week two weeks five months five years you continue on your path and don't dim it I'm hearing your ancestors right now saying that you future a respite for the weary. That's what I'm hearing. You are here to provide hope and to honestly provide air cover. That's what I'm seeing like air cover because you have this like brilliant strength that those of us who just need, just need to draw from your energy. Mm -hmm. We can do that and continue to fight the good fight. So I love you. 
Love I am you. so grateful for you. Tell, tell the listeners where they can find you. What are your handles? Okay. On Instagram, I'm at future Kane. Yes. My name is future. I'm not the rapper, but I should have coined it because I am older than him. Thank you very much. You're way cooler than so way cooler future. The rapper, if you would like to contact me and talk about our names, let's do it. Um, and at LinkedIn, I'm people might see me as future C because of all the, the lockdowns I've put on my account (laughs) or (laughs) you might see it as future Kane, C-A-I-N. Thank you so much, future. I love you and take care of your spirit. We need you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, sis. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being here for this episode with my good friend, Future Kane. I feel on fire listening back to the episode and just remembering all of the wisdom that flowed through us in this episode. I think that what's really sticking with me in this moment is challenging not just people in power, but organizations as a whole, so leadership teams, all of that, to begin to think about what are the ways in which I am either actively dismantling systems of oppression and dismantling systems that are creating harm, or alternatively, what choices am I making to keep things the way that they are? Because that is also a choice, right? And so I am so grateful to have Future here to unpack some of these really complex concepts that at the end of the day are pretty darn simple because it's just about treating people with dignity and respect and allowing our humanity to be at the forefront as we continue to do work with one another, as we continue to be in community with one another. Uh, It's just such a beautiful episode. And I have so much sensation in my body just thinking about how grateful I am to have had future here to share this message with you all. If you'd like to connect with future, all of her information can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm in all the places at Shaman Leilani. Or you can find me on my website, shamanleilani.com. But for now, be still, my friends, and live into your impact. So grateful you're here today, and I'll talk to you soon.